Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, happy Saturday, and welcome to uh, the Daily Bible Podcast. We're glad you joined us. Brr. That's me thinks, saying it's cold. It's cold. It's cold. Yes. Yeah. It is cold. What uh, What's your like go-to meal when it's really cold outside? I don't really have one. Although Kristen, she will make, I mean, pretty regularly when it gets cold, she'll make one of two things. She'll make a chili, yep. which I love. Chili is yep. amazing. Um, and she'll make like a, a soup, either a, either a minestrone kind of soup. Tastes a lot like the Olive Garden one. Or she'll make a chicken noodle or something or other soup. Okay. So soups are, I guess, our go-to, but I really like the chili. I like meaty, beany stuff. Yeah. Filling, that kind of thing. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm with you on the chili. We we do that. Amanda does chili, which is great, and we'll do different kind of soups. I'm not a big chicken fan. I Like the the Mm. flavor of chicken, it doesn't do anything for me. Well, it's kind of plain. Yeah, I and think it, that's why it's so universally accepted. Yeah, but it, it's it's plain, but it's not plain. Like just the taste of chicken, it, it, I don't like it. Mm. I, I'm not a fan. So we'll do other kinds of uh, soup. Yeah, we'll do Italian soups, things like that, which are are always tasty. But is there a food that you're like, I I won't eat that food? Oof, that's hard. You know, funny enough, when I became a pastor, I started eating foods that I didn't like. Because when I would meet with people, I'm like, I I, I want to eat what you want to eat. So I learned to eat. I, I've had sushi. I think maybe for the second time with Ryan D'Amato okay. because he was a big sushi fan. So we went and had sushi. And that was one food that I would said I would never have eaten. I'll never pay for that. Um, but we, but I did. So I don't know. I, I think I'm open to almost anything. If, if someone puts it before me, I will try it and I'll give it my best. Yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, probably would be in the same category. There's foods I, I don't prefer. Like ramen. I'm not a big fan of it. Oh, ramen's good, man. No. Like good the, ramen. Oh, the, so good. The fat back or whatever. The, the, oh. the giant fat piece of meat. I, like, well, no thanks. Not, yeah. There's got to be a little bit of fat, but not a lot. Well, yeah. I, I just, I can leave it. Have you had quality ramen? That's the question. I don't, I've got like the, the packets from the grocery store, like the, that's the not, 32 cent stuff. <laughs> that's close. That's close, but that's not quite it. You got to go to a good ramen place. I don't, but I don't give it a fair shake, but I don't. Yes, but I don't. Okay. No, I don't. I don't need to go to a good ramen place. I'm good without it. It's, it's all right. For my birthday, I'm going to invite you to a ramen place. I'm going to say no. Um, you can't say no. Yes, I can. It's my birthday. You Dude, can't say no to that. And the, then the other one too that I've had that I'm like, oh, okay, uh-huh, is Korean barbecue. I don't like making my own food. If it weren't for that, I think I can enjoy Dude, it. Dude, what what is what like a, a swindle? They're, they're like, <laughs> here, here, do it yourself. Yeah, come pay us and you cook your own food and tip us. And still tip us. Right. right. How about I get a tip? So I want a part a of this tip. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, yeah. don't, I don't I don't love cake. I know that's a big thing. Back in California, lots of our students our really were cream, into that. Korean barbecue, yeah. I would prefer not to. Yeah, especially when there's like real barbecue that's so much better. And it's here. Well, it's, it's a real barbecue. It's just a different kind of barbecue. Nope, it's not. It's not real barbecue. They've Does Texas hijacked it? Is barbecue trademarked by Texas? Is it's that, trademarked by by the South. It's trademarked by the good. South. Yeah. Well, Kansas South City, I Korea guess, would qualify. For no, instance, no, no, <laughs> no. Don't twist my words. <sighs> Man. Yeah. No, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. And and then yeah, and then they make you you tip, and you're like, why? Um, are you a guilt tipper? Like when the yes. when the screen pops up at the store and you're like, I'm either a guilt tipper or a rage non tipper. Okay. Like I, if I if I'm if I feel manipulated to do it, 
I will deliberately not do it. Okay. As a as a means to like fight the power. And then you'll leave a Compass Bible Church invite. And then I'll card say, Hey, the you're invited to our church or a generous church. I don't know. It, it depends on the situation, depends on the place. And if I like the person that I'm interacting with, that that will influence me too. Right. But I don't think I mean the, that tipping screen is everywhere. And and I don't feel like it's nearly as justified as as often as it's encountered. Well, because so much of it is point of sale now, right? I mean, it versus yeah. like waiting at the table. Like I, I went and bought some coffee at, at uh, 1418 the other day and <laughs> I, I bought the coffee and I, I checked out and there, the tip screen popped up. I'm like, I I, li- I just picked up the bag off the, the shelf and gave you my, I didn't even give you my credit card. I tapped my own credit card on the thing. Like what am, what am I tipping for? And that's a fair question. What, why do we tip? Uh, that's what I want to know. What is a tip for? And I think that will help me understand whether or not I should tip at certain occasions. And in defense, I think in some institutions, you know, where minimum wage is not the insanity that it is in California, I do think that, that in fact, I know it is because I used to work a job that was minimum wage. In fact, I think mm. they factored in, this was back in the day, so I think it was legal practice at the time, but I think they even factored in what your expected tips were. Yeah. And they give you less than minimum wage. They paid you less than minimum wage, right. knowing that you would make up the difference in tips. Yeah. So I do think that there's something to that, to like, okay, I'm, I'm going to tip at 14, 18 or whatever, because man, I appreciate the people that are there. And so I'm not necessarily tipping because the service was above and beyond. Cause sometimes you do that. Sometimes you tip because you're like, whoa, this was phenomenal service. Other times it's like, well, I'm, I'm going to tip because I appreciate what you're doing and I know that you could probably use it. Would you rather be in a situation where you're, you need a tip or you're paying like the actual cost of employment by paying $7 for a coffee? Probably the tip. In fact, I have an idea for a restaurant if the whole ministry thing ever falls through, which, you know, <laughs> hopefully really it's won't. not the case. Yeah. But I wanted to call this restaurant and I need work on the title. You know, I struggle with titles, but the, the, the title for the restaurant is Pastor PJ's. Is is tipometers, right? Tipometers. Tipometers. Okay. Right. It needs work. But each table would have a tipometer. And so the waiters or waitresses, as they're serving, you would have like a thermometer. And as they're doing well, like you could raise that thermometer up to motivate them to be like, all right, that's going to be great. That's exciting. Or as they're struggling, you could kind of drop it down a little bit and they could be, oh man, I got to do better over at that table. So they could get real time feedback on what their tip would look like at the end of the night. Interesting. I don't know, man. I, yeah, it's an interesting concept. Let me chew on that. Okay. Yeah. Let's think yeah. about that. Maybe we could go in on it together at some point. Yeah. <laughs> you could come up with the title. All right. We could have the functioning. Anyways, let's talk about Job. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, I don't think Job was going to tip Elihu. I don't think that was going to happen. I don't think he got a tip. No, I don't think. I agree. Elihu was giving out tips, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the financial kind. Nope. No. Yeah. So uh, Job chapter 35 and uh, 36, 37. Yeah, chapter 35, Elihu indicts Job, continues to indict Job, and uh, in verses 1 through 3, kind of presents this Frankenstein view of, of Job's arguments here, uh, where he kind of says, you know, Job, you're out there going, I'm innocent, and God doesn't punish the wicked, and, and so why even bother? And and I, I don't think Elihu necessarily represents Job fairly with this opening charge that he makes. He's giving these statements from Job, and he's singling them out, but they don't represent the fullness of Job's wrestling over the suffering that he was enduring. Um, and so I, I, I think... Elihu's a bit unfair with Job, in, at least in the opening part here. Um, verses 4 through 15, then Elihu's view of, of God, it, it almost comes across as distant and dispassionate some, implying that he, he doesn't really care that much about the plight and behavior of his creation. Your actions, in other words, don't really move God, verses 4 through 8. He's unconcerned with your prideful pleas, verses 9 through 15. And, and then in verse 16, kind of 
one more for the road here. Uh, Job opens his mouth in empty talk and he multiplies words without knowledge. Like at, at some point it's like, okay, Elihu, you're getting a little personal now <laughs> with, with mm. Job. You're taking some shots at his character here and even his intellect. He opens his words without knowledge. He, he opens his mouth in empty talk. Um, and so typical whippersnapper. Yeah. Elihu, he was a little maybe too bold in chapter 35. Chapter 35 may be his weakest chapter, if, if I can give that assessment. Well, you know, we covered some of this too earlier. God, it, it, it does bother God if we sin. It, it does impact him. And he's intimately involved in every single human story. So Elihu's wrong there too. If you transgress and, you're, and their transgressions are multiplied, what do you do to God? I mean, you, you can't affect God in any permanent sense in any significant sense, I suppose, but it's real and there is impact. So he's wrong there. I think he's woefully wrong. And he tries to offer a reason why God hasn't answered Job the way he wants at this point. And I don't know if he's wrong on this. I think he might be somewhere close to the correct one. He says, they, there they cry out, but he does not answer the wicked because of the pride of evil men. Surely God does not hear an empty cry, nor does the Almighty regard it. So he's saying, because of your pride, Job, and because of the emptiness of your words, God hasn't responded the way that you've hoped. Um, Job opens his mouth in empty talk, verse 16. So all these things, I, there's some elements of it that are, okay, yeah, I, I, I could see that. And there's other parts where I just don't think he's putting it together right. But again, to, to what you just said earlier, I think his age is coming through here. Yeah. Yeah, well, chapter 36 and 37 are well taken together for the majority of them as, as this uh, prolonged call on, on Job to repent. Um, I mentioned yesterday that Elihu seemed to imply that he was speaking for God. Well, now he's just going to come out and say it in verses 2 and 3 of, of chapter 36, where he says, Bear with me a little, and I will show you, for I have something to say on God's behalf. I will get my knowledge from afar and ascribe righteousness to my maker. And so that that's that that's that's strong. That's uh, that's presumptuous. Um, and uh, and then he goes on in verses five through fifteen. I, I just said same song, new verse, right? It's it's God will bring judgment on the wicked and deliver the righteous. This is what the friends have been saying the whole time. This is contra what Job's argument has been, and that is well, not always. Sometimes the wicked do succeed. Sometimes the wicked do uh, appear to be preserved. Here, Elihu is saying, no, God, God. God does what he does. Verse six, he does not keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their right. Um, in other words, he's, he's trying to de- defend God's justice. Right heart, wrong attitude, maybe wrong approach, wrong, um, wrong posture towards Job here. I, again, I think he has the right desire. He wants to defend God, but he, he just seems to fall woefully short in the way that he goes about doing it. Uh, verses 10 through 12, though, are, uh, are important for us to, to see as he um, it, it rebukes Job. He says, look, he opens their ears to instruction and commands that they return from iniquity. If they listen and serve him, they complete their days in prosperity and the years in pleasantness. But if they do not listen, they perish by the sword and die without knowledge. Well, the, the first part of, the, of that is, I think, accurate. Elihu's here in verse 10 saying, God uses affliction to bring about repentance, uh, to, to command that people return from iniquity. But verses 11 and 12, I think, are, again, presuming and falling prey to that same idea that, that God always blesses the righteous and always punishes the wicked. So we, we can't expect that. We can't promise that. It, it almost opens the door to a health, wealth, and prosperity approach to our relationship mm-hmm. with God. Yeah, to the contrary, we, I, we've said this before, but it bears repeating. There is no formation without repetition, as the saying goes. Uh, one of the things that we have to expect as Christians is that life is going to be hard and difficult, and your righteousness actually creates that context. It's your righteousness that actually provokes the difficulty of, of living as a Christian. Paul says to Timothy, 
it, because you're godly, you're going to suffer persecution. In fact, if you're wicked and you follow suit with the world, you'll suffer a whole lot less pushback and vitriol because you'll be following and towing the line. To the contrary, for the Christian then, we need to be prepared to be okay with the fact that life is going to be difficult and painful, and this is exactly what we're promised. Yeah. Verses 16 through 21 then contain this call to repent. But before we get there, look at verse 15. He delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ear by adversity. That's an interesting concept that God delivers the afflicted by their affliction. In other words, it it frames our perspective on our suffering and how our suffering can be good from time to time. No, it is good. That's what he's saying, right? He's saying that it's the very suffering that produces the salvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, And that's not a wrong approach. It's not a wrong approach. Yeah, I'm in in favor of that. Yeah. Verse 16 through 21 then continues this call to repent. Uh, Verse 21, the the last verse in that subsection, he he says this. He says, take care and do not turn to iniquity for this you have chosen rather than iniquity or rather than affliction. In other words, he's saying, Job, rather than leaning into the affliction, like we just said, that is meant to deliver you, you have responded and turned from your affliction by turning towards sin, turning towards iniquity. Um, And so in this sense, Elihu isn't a whole lot different, I don't think, from the other three friends. Um, in the end, he's still putting Job on blast, right? And Sure looks like it. Seeking to justify God. And maybe he's better in his seeking to justify God than the others are. But there's there's similar themes in Elihu that, that show up time and time again that we've already considered in here uh, in this book. There's a unique turn, though, in uh, chapter 36, verse 22, um, then all the way through thirty-seven, thirteen, as as he really calls on Job and, and the others to consider the power of God. And this is where I think the transition from the friends to the, the appearance of God in chapter 38 really shows up because Elihu uses a lot of language here. In fact, God is going to come back chapter 37, uh, even verses three and through five there, where he's talking about the lightning covering the fists of God. God is going to talk about that. God's going to show up in a storm, in fact, in 38. And he's going to speak to God in thunder. And so when he says in verse 4, he thunders with his majestic voice. You know, Elihu is is ascribing to God some pretty powerful things, some pretty majestic things, some pretty great things. And I, I think he's reminding Job of his smallness. I think he's doing what God does to a much greater and more perfect degree in chapters 38 and 39, 40 and following. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That's that's the cool part about chapter 37. I think the turn there is is basically worship. And he says in verse 14, stop and consider the wondrous works of God. And I think that's what God does, actually. God takes that verse and he expands on it and just challenges Job time after time. I don't want to steal the thunder from tomorrow's podcast, but I see essentially, what you did there, steal the thunder. <laughs> I'm glad you got that. Essentially, the whole idea here is Job who are you, man? Like, just th- think about this. Think about all that God does and and think about the fact that you're trying to challenge God on one small sliver of your life when God's doing a million, billion, trillion things at this very moment and you never think about it. I mean, the things that yeah. you can see, like the lightning, the thunder, and all the cool things that happen and the, and the rain and the sleet and the mixed conditions and the snow on the road, this is all stuff that God's doing. We forget so many times that God is intimately involved in his creation. And that's what God's going to tell us in the next chapters. God is not just a deist God. He's not just starting the sun going and then he's like, all right, I'm going to back up. I'm going to let you do the thing. Right. No, Hebrews chapter one, he is involved. He rules the creation by the word of his power. He keeps your heart beating. 
because he he wills that to happen in in the very moment that it's happening. He wills you to hear this podcast. I mean, he's making your ears, those little hairs in your ears, he's making them vibrate in the air and he's causing you to hear. He's not away and aloof just saying, oh, I'm just going to cause that to be the case. He's he's involved, intimately right. involved. And that's, I think, part of Elihu's point. Right, right. Which leads to his conclusion of going, Job, how can you hope to stand before this this God, this God that is is that intimately involved and yet at the same time so transcendent, so uh, far above and beyond us. What can anyone answer back to that God? What can anyone hope to say in defense of themselves and uh, and, and to charge that God with, with any wrongdoing? And mm. his conclusion, I think, is so good for us in verse 24. Therefore, men fear him. He does not regard any who are wise in their own conceit. And he ought to take his own advice. But yeah, that's a good thing to say. That's sure. He ought to take his own advice, but that's a good way for us to, to take away something from Elihu. His, his last words are good words here. Uh, fear God and uh, don't be too wise in, in your own eyes. And that's a, a helpful premise for us. It sounds a lot like Job twenty-eight twenty-eight, right? Sounds a lot like it. Yep. Well, hey, we would love to connect with you and, and go grab a meal with you. Just uh, maybe let's not do uh, ramen or uh, or Korean barbecue. But I, if you want to go get Hutchins or you want to go get you know sushi, Pastor Rod <laughs> will go get sushi with you. I will go with you almost anywhere. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate you guys. We really do. Uh, and uh, looking forward to connecting with you guys again tomorrow. So keep reading your Bibles. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.